What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, it's a big balls episode. As for the first time all season, we start with the Thursday night football game and the Circus Survivor pick. My guest, friend of the podcast, Brandon LaFave, joins me to discuss why we're hoping to soar with the Eagles tonight and the strategy behind that. Then I have an apology to make regarding betting the World Series. Finally, the usual Thursday rundown of the college football slate that's growing by the week. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. A special Thursday edition, special edition of the Thursday episode. Don't look back in anger. Pushed back. The NCAA football rundown pushed back. Thursday night football gets center stage for reasons that will become obvious shortly if they're not already. Normally our Sunday episode is the Circa Million, Monday, uh, Moneyline Parlays, Totals, all the line moves from Sunday morning. But we normally start with the Survivor pick and we interview our guest picker, to steal a phrase from College Game Day, uh, in our friends of the podcast entry in Circa Survivor. But alas, we're doing that today. So let's bring in one of my personal best friends and a guy who is literally the most supportive person of this podcast since its inception. He makes his second appearance on the podcast. Brandon LaFave, welcome back, my friend. Oh, happy to be back, man. Yeah, I listen daily on my dog walks. There you go. Dog walking listening <laughs> listenership. That's all we've ever really asked out of any of you people. If you have a dog, why wouldn't you be listening to this podcast on your dog walk? Absolutely. So let's, let's just get this out of the way. It's Thursday. We're talking about Survivor. We wouldn't be doing that if we weren't taking, well, one of the two teams in the game today. And I think we would be insane if we were probably taking the Giants. Yes, we would assuming be we're not even we would be insane. Assuming, the assuming we're not insane for taking the Eagles. So fundamentally, we kind of have to work in reverse. How did we come to this conclusion? So number one, right? Everybody's probably liking the Bills this week, right? The fade the Jets. Yeah, can we pick the bit? We can't pick the Bills again. We can't. <laughs> we cannot do that. No. We have played, and it's not just that we played the Bills already. It's that we played the Bills already against the Jets. Like we literally used up this exact card first uh, in week one. Yeah, week one. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like you know, on the surface, you want to be like, oh darn, we used the Bills, but like we dodged a lot of bullets in week one, right? Like that was a week that knocked a lot of people out. Yeah, we could have easily been on indie week one. Yeah, and a couple of others, you know, sort of, what was it, 300, something along those lines? 400 people? Yeah, yeah, week one. Like it's kind of insane. Yeah, so, you know, all in all, the bills were well used yeah. in that situation, right? Um, number two, right? A lot of people, obviously, potentially, you know, we don't really know this yet, the Chiefs. And so... Our plan here kind of all along, or at least over the last few weeks, has been save them for week eight and essentially <laughs> use that as a bye week. Against as the they Jets. Are, of course, <laughs> yes, exactly, against the Jets. And so from a mathematical standpoint, right, this is a betting podcast, right? We do a lot of stuff with money lines and that kind of thing. And so, you know, no matter who we use, but again, let's say we're using the Eagles because, you know, we are. You know, the Eagles are about minus 225 or so on the money line. And if you parlay that next week with the Chiefs, who are going to be like, what, at minus 21, minus 22, like minus 2,000 yeah, or something Yeah, that number like is that. insane. <laughs> yeah, on the money line. So that parlay right there versus sort of a, if we use, let's say we use the Chiefs this week, right? They're about minus 450 against the Broncos. You know, who would we even parlay them with? next week right like who's the pick if it's not the chiefs next week uh like there's three teams that kind of stand out two of them unfortunately are road teams um i kind of like seattle at home against san francisco possibly next week Mm, uh tampa at the giants right Uh, okay yeah that's the one that i kind of had circled for sure tennessee a little less than against cincinnati all of those feel 
very similar to the Eagles and the Giants, right? So the Eagles minus four and a half here uh, and, and a line that's sort of ticking its way up back to where it opened. Yeah. You know, and so the history of this line is that, it you know, six and a half, you know, last week, you know, opened at six. Then we find out Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz are out and it sort of takes this dive down to three and a half. Yeah, you know, I don't know that even that was necessarily on money, right? I think that was just kind of on air, like the idea that this team is really banged up, yeah, right? And then of course, up, and now we're back up to what four and a half? Yeah, right we're yeah we're back up to four and a half, and it's like because a couple of different things, right? One, people just kind of went, uh, we're not making that big of an adjustment off a running back, like we're just not doing that. That doesn't right. make any sense. We're not making that big of an adjustment on Zach Ertz who's a couple years from being the player that we think that he is, you know, when we think of Zach Ertz. And yes. on top of that, looks like the Eagles are going to get Lane Johnson back, obviously a key piece of their offensive line, and maybe even Deshaun Jackson. And of course, we'll see how long that lasts yeah. because we've been sold that before. Uh, a guy who just, you know, shows up, runs three routes, pulls his hamstring, yeah. and then is back yeah, out we're for another one five. Yeah, we one go route out of Duke Jacks, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so, but if he can play, and if he really just does run straight lines <laughs> 10 to 15 times in the game, right? Like, that actually does do stuff, right? Yeah. Like, he's the guy who's the sort of take the top off the defense type of a guy. Um, so all that being said, we're now at minus four and a half, and we're about minus 225 on the money line. Well, these games that we're talking about next week with the Green Bays, with the Tennessees, with the Tampa Bays, and the Tampa Bay one is the one that I sort of circled because I don't know that any of those, from a money line standpoint, are going to be any better than minus 225. Like, maybe Tampa Bay will sort of see what happens against the Raiders this week. If that, but... if that game happens. If that game that even happens. That whole offensive line was sent home today, right? <laughs> right. Due to COVID. So, ex yeah. So, you've got a COVID offensive line with the Raiders. So, who really knows? Uh, they might end up, you know, say they end up playing. They might just throw some COVID over at the Bucks, And now the Bucks are all the kinds of <laughs> right. jeopardy. Right? So, yeah. Like, the one other option I'd say would be like, okay, maybe, you know, Bucks next week. Maybe, you know, like, say we just full out panicked and went Chiefs this week. But, like... You know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's there's no parlay mathematically that sort of is any better than Chiefs against Jets next week and then anything that we do this week. Right. Right? Right. So, in general, I'm like, let's stay off the Chiefs this week. And then, you know, maybe we make some changes. You know, who knows, right? By the time next week rolls around, maybe we get super ballsy and go Tampa Bay uh, against the Giants, right? Again, right. a road team, that's kind of like the number one rule usually. Yeah. So avoid the road teams, right? Because most, you know, for all these guys who get knocked out, and listen, we're what, 75% of people have been knocked out. A lot of them have sort of done so because they've been kind of brazen about the road team yeah. rule, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't really want to get caught up in that. And so you look at, there's a couple of other teams here that are really sort of intriguing road teams green bay a road favorite yep. seattle a road favorite both minus 180 on the money line so again from a value standpoint not really all that better than the eagles there are certainly spots on the schedule i think where you could take green bay i think they've got jacksonville yeah, yeah green bay's got jacksonville week 10 seattle has both the giants and the jets at home in back-to-back -back weeks 13 and 14 <laughs> Yeah, like that feels like we should be using them one of those two weeks, yeah. right? And like, and like Pittsburgh, you don't wanna... had, I think Pittsburgh has Washington at home one of those weeks. Yeah. So whichever week we we take Pittsburgh week thirteen and Seattle week fourteen or something. Yeah, exactly. And we have those things holstered and ready to go yeah. because you know part of this thing, the way this is shaping out, is you know there's still three hundred people left, which is a lot of people, but at the same time there's been about a thousand people who've gotten knocked out in just six weeks. So yeah. six weeks from now, you know it could be over six weeks from now. And well, yeah, if you that... figure seventy five percent more get eliminated in the next six weeks, right? Then we're down to what? Yeah, seventy five people, eighty people. Yeah, essentially, yeah. That's that's strong mathematics. See, this is why we bring you <laughs> in, right? You're augmenting the quality of the show with some strong mathematics. <laughs> And so, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because, and the other thing is like week 12, week 13 are, is just like an absolute sweepstakes when it comes to Survivor, right? Yeah, that so whole dad you know, injury is killer. Yeah, for those who don't know, and I, you know, I think we've mentioned a fair amount of times, but if you're new to the podcast, like the Thursday for Thanksgiving is its own week. 
in the Circa Survivor Contest. And the matchups are Houston-Detroit. And we've already used Houston. Coin, coin flip. Um, Washington-Dallas, literally playing this week as a coin flip game, thanks to Dak, as you mentioned, yeah. being out, and Andy Dalton being in, and that general performance from last Monday. And then the third and final game, while a cracker, if you will, to watch Baltimore at Pittsburgh is not a game that you want to be sitting there using in your Survivor. So any part of it. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's into the pool here for these games. And we're all essentially picking, you know, pick a me type games, barring more injuries or all kinds of other chaos. Right. And so, like you mentioned, like we've used up Houston, we'd like to use Baltimore in one of those spots later in the season. Same thing with Pittsburgh. So right now we're kind of looking at Dallas and Detroit, but all of that is to say, that that next week or that next segment, if you will, you know, in week 12, the Sunday is again, its own week as well. And it's a bit of a cracker as well. And so we've got green Bay at home against Chicago in Sunday night football, Cincinnati at home against the giants, the Patriots against the Cardinals. I mean, are we even really sure the Patriots are better than the Cardinals at this? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a fun combo week with the yeah, and, and then the Sunday. So if you ask me, like, you know, regardless of whether you save things for later or you don't, like, that's going to be the week in, you know, two for one style. Yeah. That's going to kind of really separate some stuff out here. Because yeah. you could easily see half the people on Detroit and half the people on Houston. And by three o'clock, right, like half the people are out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that you're kind of looking at. And so I mentioned Green Bay and the other one, New Orleans at Denver, which, again, road team. But at least that's one where you go, okay, well, one team is going to at least be a sort of four and a half to six and a half ish type of a favorite. And those are few and far between that week. And so the point there is, is that Green Bay might be nice to have around by then. And New Orleans might be nice to have around by then. And those are two candidates here this week as well so on my on my list of candidates yes yeah and then so the final list list or listy if you will i think is you know from point spread standpoint is the los angeles chargers and you know like they're one in four yeah (laughs) like they're a seven and a half point favorite of course we understand why they're playing the jaguars all of that kind of stuff and we certainly believe in them to get better over the course of the season, right? Like this is a team that had a 17 point lead or 16 point lead against, you know, Tampa Bay, same thing against the saints. Like they're obviously of quality. Oh, absolutely. They're still a one and four team. So it's still a little bit scary there. And Anthony Lynn as a favorite is completely and utterly terrifying. So if you had to say, like if, if Thursday night was not an option, what would be your sort of number one pick beyond that? If Thursday wasn't my option, my number one pick would probably be the Packers this week. Okay, so you would do the road team. I know, I don't and... want to, but just, <laughs> I just feel like coming off that loss and how embarrassing of a loss it was, especially after the uh, Aaron Rodgers dancing in the end zone after his touchdown and then not scoring another point. The Kringleberry. And then not scoring another point. Um just feels like a game where he kind of comes out and silences Houston pretty quickly. Yeah, I am. The concern I have, and I, listen, I think they win that game. Like, I, you know, I probably will be on them from a sp- spread standpoint based on kind of all the stuff that you say. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, and it's sort of, this is like a macro-y type thing. Part of me is I go, okay, well, if we lose, what did we do to lose? Right. Right. And in this one, while I agree with you, I think Green Bay wins the game. If we lost, we would be sitting there going like, we just lost. Why did we pick a road team? Well, (laughs) that, yes. But also against a team that we just picked two weeks ago to win. Right. (laughs) You know? So it's like, I get the difference between the Packers and the Jags and all of that kind of stuff. But it still would be like kind of a real kick in the sack if we were just like, yeah, we thought they were good enough to be a pick in week five. And now we're fading. We also may have just got the one Houston win. 
<laughs> oh yeah listen i you don't have to you don't have to tell me that like we were literally you know if, you know we talked about that at length on the podcast with dave Pereira about like this is the only this could be their only win this could be their best chance to get a win all of that kind of stuff that being said it's a team that made the playoffs last yeah. year you know yeah. a team that very easily they're two point conversion away from winning the game last week you know played pittsburgh quite well the you know kind of the week before that yeah. Um, you know, very close with the Vikings. So, like, this isn't the other thing. Is it's like okay, one thing that they can't stop. It's like run. okay, we cannot stop the run. No, they can't. And like, the defense is a is a horror yeah. show, right? But I don't know that the Packers defense right. is sort of all that far behind. And you can kind of get into this shootout variance deal where. What if it does come down to a two-point conversion? I don't even really mean, like, two-point conversion at the end, but, like, you know, one of these two-point conversions, like, early in the fourth quarter that turns out, like, one team misses and the other team makes, and it just kind of gets all kinds of wacky in a way because both teams are just going up and down the field, and there's, you know, a PI call that doesn't get called or a holding call that sort of stunts a drive. And, like, if both teams are moving the ball effectively, which I think, you know, Houston might be you know, kind of rounding into form from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. You just kind of go like, okay, like this is a bit much and you're sort of a a bit of a high wire act. Right. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. now that they've got a few games under their belt without the post Bob era. uh, Yeah. They could be kind of, kind of finding their footing now. Yeah, and and literally again, like you like you said, the the, the defense isn't any good. But uh, you know, again, if it's just a firing back and forth type of thing, that scares yes. me a little bit. And so the other thing is, you know, part of me with a league, you know, and it's every year, and I, just, I don't even know why. Like, why are there always three really atrocious teams? <laughs> like, there that doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not like there's secret codes or anything it's like you should know how to run a team like other teams yeah, are but doing I, it but for all over the league to your podcast we understand that there are just teams coaches gms they just don't know what they're doing <laughs> yeah and that's but that's my point i'm like but it's not a secret like other teams are showing you every week like this is how we do stuff like this is whether it's math whether it's you know drafting whether it's whatever like Anyway, my point, where I'm going with this is that, like, there's a very real possibility you could sort of snuff out, you know, or sniff out the two, three really bad teams and just kind of leapfrog on all of those teams throughout the rest of the season. And if we're going to get knocked out, you know, I kind of sort of implemented this fourth rule. So, like, rule number one is no road teams. Rule number two is try to avoid betting against underdogs you like against the spread. So like the first bet that I made this week was Carolina plus yeah. seven and a half. Right. I like that a ton. Now it looks like Michael Thomas sort of sketchy to be in the game. Yeah. He thought he might be coming back and you know, he's got multiple injury situations. Who knows? He might punch somebody. And so, you know, it's like, okay, like I can't tell you how many survivor pools I've gotten knocked out of because I was like, well, they're seven and a half point favorites, so I'm going to take them because like that's the value. But I actually like the underdog plus seven and a half, and then that I like them so much, or I'm so validated by that that the underdog goes right. and wins, and I'm like, well, I'm not a survivor, but well, at least I won <laughs> that bet like relatively comfortably, yeah. right? You throw in that it's a division game, and I think this Carolina team isn't in that sort of bottom rung of the NFL, right? Like the capable yeah, yeah. rung. So that's Carolina, that's Houston. Like these are the ones where it's like. You know, yeah, sure. Are we getting sort of sneaky here with Philadelphia? Maybe, but at least we're doing it against just a bona fide garbage team. In yeah, the, the Giants. Giants are definitely like, one of those three or four teams them. in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and so it's like so. Rule number, you know, rule number four now is it's okay to get beat by bad teams but you just have to make sure you know that they're bad. And of course, sometimes it takes five or six weeks to really figure out who is bad, right? So like Carolina thought they might be bad, you know, not bad. Jets, you know, you know, from before the season started, I was like, I don't know how this team isn't the worst team in the league. And I was like, right? And so it's like, yes, confirmed bad, worse than we even could have imagined. (laughs) Like everybody's now on board. They're absolutely atrocious, right? I, I talked about how like I thought in that basement of the NFC East, that Washington was going to be better than the Giants. Like, this isn't exactly like a huge call necessarily, but it's sort of like, 
it's just telling you, you know, sort of how I felt about the Giants yeah, before absolutely. the season started and nothing that's happened has sort of changed that, right? Like they were pretty fortunate to win that game last week against Washington, which actually kind of makes me like yes. this better Agreed. because it's right. Like they're no longer searching for yep. that first win of the season. The hunger might be gone. Like it might be okay to go back to losing. Yeah. They'll be fine with it. They'll be like, you know what? We did it guys. We got there. We got our yeah. win. <laughs> we can take a couple weeks off. Then you factor in, like, listen, the football handicap stuff that, like, we kind of talk about, you know, pretty regularly. Short yep. week, road team always at a disadvantage. The, wor- the worst team always sort of at a disadvantage to do anything, right? Like, the favorites, you know, cover at a high rate on a Thursday night. You've got this Philly team that probably washed, watched the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> completely blow it on on monday and i don't mean blow it as in they were leading i mean like blow it um and so there's like oh man all we have to do is beat the giants here and like now we're going to be in first and like all of that kind of motivation all of that stuff especially going into a matchup with i believe dallas next week and so they have all the reason to be into this they have shown me nothing from the last three weeks that they you know that even if they get down that they're like it's over. Yeah, Carson we Wentz give will up, not give up. Right? Like, that's the... Imp- yeah, and that's the imp- been impressive thing. Like, yes, they got essentially blown out yep. by Baltimore, but they just refused to give up. And they, you know, same thing was happening against yep. the Steelers. And, of course, they won the game mega shorthanded at San Francisco. And so you look at the rest of this NFC East and you go, okay, the teams that all have wins have wins against essentially only the NFC East with the exception, of course, the fluke Dallas, like, mega comeback against yeah. the Falcons when the Falcons were just handing out wins, no matter, like, what the score was through a quarter or two. And so at least the Eagles have that San Francisco game sort of in their resume that can kind of make you believe that they yeah. will win this game and, I mean, hopefully relatively handily. So, um, you know, those other teams, Chargers, right, they have the Jets, yeah, they got the Jets in a week few 11, weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be more comfortable sort of saving, quote-unquote, that for then, because then we'll at least get more of a body of work from, you know, Herbert. And I think that line sort of projects out to be a double-digit spread. And so, yeah, I would sort of like to keep that. And again, it's it's saving a team, but it's saving a team before Week 12, which is kind of important here, because I'd like to get to Week 12 to just see what happens with all the chaos. And so... Yeah, I mean, all those things considered, listen, it's not an easy week, it's, right? It's like, ter- we had it's easier. A horrible week. <laughs> it's a horrible week. Uh, New Orleans, same sort of deal, right? Like, wouldn't that be a team that we'd rather deal with when not facing Teddy Bridgewater, an historically good quarterback yeah. as an underdog, and not without, you know, or potentially without, and even if he plays, right, an ankle, that kind of stuff can get re-injured at any given moment add on the fact that listen it might be a desperation thing where we have to take them on the road on that thanksgiving weekend but at least it's still an option for us in that weekend which like listen we could get knocked out today we get knocked out this weekend but like we do have to prepare ourselves for that week 12 so that like if we get there we're not like mandatory have to take cincinnati yeah Right, where it's like, oh, Cincinnati's yeah. our best shot at this, and it's like, what? Joe Burrow <laughs> died three weeks ago because their offensive line can't keep him healthy. Like, do you know who the backup quarterback is right now I, for Cincinnati? I have no idea. I don't. <laughs> right, so it's like, okay, I, you know, like I don't want to be forced into that. These other positions, Green Bay, Chicago, New Orleans, and Denver, of course, aren't great options either. But that's just the, that's just what we've signed up for right. that week with those matchups so yeah all in all i think this is the right play it's going to be an absolute sweat fest on thursday night um you know i talked about earlier in the week grabbing minus three and a half as a good bet i stand by that i will not bet the game because like every other game here it's just not worth it uh every other survivor game i should say it's just not worth needing the them to jump over a barrier that is higher than the barrier we just need them to jump over, which of course is just the right. I've definitely win. bought into this in the last couple of days, into the Eagles on Thursday night, uh, for many of the reasons um, that you've already listed. Uh, Lane Johnson being a key, uh, I think, returning. 
Yeah. I think I think Carson Wentz yeah. is like 36 and 17 or 36 and 16 when Lane Johnson plays. This is the stuff. Yeah, and then getting him back is big. I think I'll be able to sleep. So I think I'll be able to sleep at night. Yeah, and so that's the final thing, right? Like, will you be able to sleep at night? And that's why that fourth rule is in place, right? Where it's like, it's okay to get beat by the bad teams because you're fading the worst of the worst. And for whatever the record is, right, this is an awful lot like the Houston pick the other week where it's like, for whatever the record is with the Eagles, you know, at least you're going, you know what? The Giants are legitimately one of the worst three teams in the league you know, maybe fourth if you sort of found some other team other than the Jets and maybe the Jaguars to kind of bump up in ahead of them. I suppose because they beat Washington last week, they might get some sort of credit. Though, again, uh, not much in the way of, uh, of impressiveness yeah. in that yeah. one. So the final thing is, I just want to get this out because I think it's really funny. And so I looked up, I was like, you know, these Eagles and Giants games, they seem to be, you know, really close for whatever reason. And it's true. They have been, but the Eagles haven't <laughs> lost to the Giants since 2016. I looked that up too. Yeah. You did. Okay, good. So did you, did you look, did you go deeper into that game that the Giants actually won? I did not. By any no. chance. Okay. So I, I want, again, just as a, just for a laugh, I want to sort of tell you what happened in this game because it was the first season that Doug Peterson was the coach, right? And now we know Doug Peterson is this guy who, like, I think is analytically inclined. Like, he's going for two on situations that, like, no one's even really prepared for. And, like, they're so kind of out of, the, out of, out of the, the woodwork that you're just sort of like, I don't even think we got a chapter <laughs> in the an- an- analytics okay. handbook on, like, going, you know, going for it up you know, 11 to make it 13. It's like, what? I don't like, that, that's no, not even that close no to sense. sort of making it any sense anyway. And so I go back and just for fun, I was like, how did the giants beat them four years ago? Right. And so first and foremost, the headline is giants. Hold on. Manning has four touchdown passes in the okay. game. And it's like, okay, fair enough. So <laughs> how it starts is uh, Eagles interception two plays in <laughs> okay good start touchdown on a touchdown on a 31 yard drive for the giants okay, and man yeah. very next drive three plays in on third down interception the giants score a touchdown on a 30 yard drive and they go up 14 to nothing right so there's your yep. hold on piece right there because after that once they start playing like legitimate football it's like oh okay like the eagles were better after they stopped throwing interceptions in their own territory giving short fields away they're down 11 points late in the third quarter they're on a drive start of the fourth quarter they kick a field goal to get within eight but the field goal is fourth and three at the giants eight yard line what what now, I understand, like, okay, you go down eight because you set yourself up for the touchdown and the two-point conversion, but I feel like four years later on fourth and three, with still You're 12 minutes left, time. we just go for it and we take our chances and we try to kind of hope for the best, yeah. right? So uh, hoping for the best, of course, means hoping, you know, Eli Manning does something to screw it up. Very next possession, he throws an interception. So the Eagles get the ball back, but they end up having okay. to punt and the Giants have to punt back to the Eagles. So now there is essentially seven minutes ish left in the game and they drive down the field and the Eagles get a fourth and 10 from the 21 yard line and they and they're yep. down eight and they kick a field goal What to go down, to go down five. So this is our guy here, Doug Peterson, the guy who's wheeling and dealing. He's going for two, you know, in the first quarter, getting (laughs) wild. Like, he's a guy who was doing things like down eight with three and a half minutes to go and was like, you know what? Let's cut this thing to five right now. Send him out there. And so sure enough, they kick it and they're like, and it gets cut down to five. There's three minutes and 51 seconds left, right? So now it's like they need some sort of miracle. They need some sort of thing to happen. Five plays later, Eli throws Manning a... throws another interception. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
So they get the prayer. They get what exactly what they wanted. He throws an interception with one minute and 55 seconds left on the clock um, to oh, give Philadelphia the ball at the Giants 34 with a minute and 45 Dougie seconds Dougie P was playing left. for that the whole time. He knew it. He knew it was going to happen. He did the thing where, like, we're all kind of at home going, like, you know, Eli yeah. could throw another interception. And he's literally like, I'm going to rely on that. And so they have a chance to win the game. And then, sure enough, though, they go four and out and lose the game. And that's the, the, the literal hang on for the Giants. So just an absolute bleep show of a coaching fiasco when it comes to Doug Peterson uh, in that one. So that was the last time the Giants beat the Eagles. Like all of that for them to win. Two touchdowns. Yeah. Early on off of Wentz interceptions and then them somehow surviving uh, Dougie just throwing field goals at them at an alarming rate in the fourth quarter while Eli was throwing interceptions back to them. So just an absolute chaos of a game. And they haven't beat them since. A lot of really yeah, close yeah. games. Like, it's nerve-wracking because there's been a fair amount of them, right? There was that game last year, went to overtime, where the Eagles won when they had, like, two wide receivers and, like, no defensive backs. And, like, Carson Wentz couldn't do anything because he had just had nobody out there. And they just sort of willed their way to yep. force overtime. And I just remember that game because I think we were like live betting that game and going like, the Eagles are going to win this, right? Yeah, the Eagles are going to win this, where, right? And then eventually they Ward did. came out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the Greg yeah. Ward game. Yeah, exactly. And then they won the last four games in the season. They beat the Giants again a little easier thanks to some Daniel Jones fumbles uh, late in the game in, I believe, week 17 and got the uh, first place right. in the division. And so... Um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, they have their number ever since then. I'd like to think Doug Peterson's gotten yeah, a little more aggressive. It. It Maybe out. that figured was the game, right? Like, that might have been the game where somebody said to him, like, Doug, that was a train wreck. And it was his first season right. as a head coach, right? So it, like, might have been, you know, Doug, like, you're not, you're not doing this right. Like, a field goal down eight with three and a half minutes to go. I know it almost yeah, worked no. out, but, like, yeah. what the hell are you we doing? Gotta figure, we got to figure this like, out. Like, fourth and three at the eight? <laughs> like, come on. So anyway, so I just like had to mention that oh, because absolutely. I thought yeah, it was I, really, really I definitely gone back just to see what the records had looked like previously, but I did not deep dive that deep. Yeah, because sometimes you do have to go back and go like, does this one team yeah. own this other team for whatever reason? And obviously a different quarterback, different of course. coach yeah, for the Giants, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, all in all, um, I think it's a decision. Uh, hopefully it's the right decision. The other element, the last thing we should probably mention is the quirk in the Circa Survivor mm, yeah, the loophole, right? Obviously, different times. The loophole, if you will. COVID times being COVID times. What happens if, you know, a game gets postponed because of COVID, right? We've seen it happen where teams were picked and the game happened on a Tuesday and that was after the deadline. Well, obviously, if you pick a game on Thursday, you win and then whatever games get canceled, get canceled, like you still get credit for that yeah. win and those other people don't. And so there's sort of this outside chance. And listen, I'm not saying the entire league gets postponed because of a massive but outbreak that would on be Saturday. I'm, I'm not saying that, um, but it would <laughs> be interesting. I am saying, though, like, what if Carolina, who had a couple of positives or whatever this week, like, what if that happens? And there's a sort of an outbreak there. What if, uh, you know, literally yeah. pick a team, right? Like we've already talked about the Raiders and it's not like they're going to be affected necessarily. Or maybe people are taking Tampa Bay. I don't know. And maybe that gets pushed back to a Tuesday. Any of these things are sort of possible in the scenario that we're in. And so normally with these contests, Circa Million, the Super Contest in the past, you go, okay, we have to, you know, if we like the Thursday game, we got to submit all of our picks on Thursday. And then you're just kind of like hoping nobody gets hurt or nothing crazy happens for right. two and a half days. And in this case, it's just one pick. Yeah. Just pick the survivor pick and kind of move on. And the other element is we talked, you know, with David Pereira about the choose your own adventure element, right? And we're sort of getting into this point where, especially after this week, if people who haven't used Buffalo use Buffalo, they advance. It's like, you know, as much as you go, okay, well, we use this team, we use that team, whatever, whatever. A lot of these survivors, if you will, will have used the yeah. same teams, right? And so because this game's a Thursday 
and because it's not like a 10 point favorite, I don't know that there's going to be that many. Yeah, I don't think so. And listen, they they might end up losing and it might be like, well, that's why (laughs) they didn't use it. But if you look at the Thursday night schedule, there's just not that many other games where you go, yeah, I like the home team there. You know, the Giants, Jets, or Jags are involved on the road. And so, like, uh, you know, yeah, I'd like because, to use and, that. And rarely, it's just, it's a lot of coin toss. taking an NFC East team against any other division. Oh, under no circle. Like, I won't even take him against the right. spread at this point. I'm like, I'm like, 10-point underdog? Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, no. they're an NFC East team. Like, not going to work for me. So, yeah, like, at least they're yeah. clashing in division that's kind of the best chance to take them and so uh, it's not like we had to take philadelphia i don't know that they're necessarily i mean maybe they're a top 18 team in the league when they're you know when they're going but it's kind of like last week with the dolphins where you're like you know we said like are they a top 18 team you know maybe not but they are that's if they're the playing thing, the right? jets they fall and into so that i hope <laughs> yeah i hope that's the situation here where you go they're not but they are when yeah. they're playing the giants and you know, we haven't seen enough out of the Giants offense this year to be, you know, all that worried about them. Obviously, kind of the best they did was against the Cowboys. And even that wasn't all that spectacular, at least from sort of a Daniel Jones offensive effort right. uh, standpoint. Right. Like his stats are just absolutely atrocious from a quote unquote explosiveness uh, element there. So I think it's worth the worth the risk. I think, again, now is the time to take the risks. I don't want to be in a spot later on in the season when the pressure is amplified. Like we're talking week 17 right now. Like we're not even halfway right. through. And it's like, you know, if you're like the other guys who have come on, like you probably oh my felt God. some so, pressure. Over you, don't the last need, you don't know. Few days. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm up next and, or for the next couple of weeks. And so it's like, yeah, I completely uh, feel that as well. And so I just rather, you know, I want to feel as sort of easy as possible later on in the season so that things don't go completely haywire and at least we can kind of make some moves that we're more con- confident with. And at 300 plus people, you know, there's still a lot of football left to be played and all of that kind of stuff. And again, if we can steal one here, you know, it sounds a lot like with the Texans a couple of weeks ago. And that was a week that was kind of a yep. bloodbath week, right? Like should have been a lot more getting eliminated that week yes. than, it, than it was. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Jags beat the Chargers. Not the most insane Carolina thing that's ever happened. Panthers. Yeah. yeah, Panthers beat the, beat the Saints without yeah. Mike Thomas. Not the most insane thing that's ever happened. And so if you can kind of scoot in here, get a win, and then just kind of watch potential chaos unfold, like yeah. that's a nice getting, little thing get, yeah, too. Getting, so I think there's a, enough reasons to do Thursday it. And then just being able to watch it all come down on Sunday on some people would be pretty nice. Yeah, and if and if the cost is having multiple myocardial <laughs> infarctions throughout the entire night on Thursday, uh, I think sure. that's just I mean, the play that we're going yeah, to have. We're going to be back on the one to ten, one to forty-three scale of uh, stress. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one last point. Anyway, uh, Ryan yeah, Finley go ahead. is the backup quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you definitely yeah. don't want the Bengals. If Joe Burrow isn't yes. involved. So, yeah, yeah, nice to know. So if, if we lose this week, we can blame Absolutely. Ryan Finley, right? Because people like looking for people to blame. Ryan Finley is the guy that we're going to blame. Didn't think that we would, but yes, he is the guy because that scared us out of the Saints. Uh, obviously, my other of reasons course. did as well and scared us out of uh, yeah. the Packers yeah, as I well. Think, yeah. So, yeah, we're not going against Deshaun Watson here. We're not going against underdog hero Teddy Bridgewater. We're going up against Daniel Jones. I'll take my chances. Uh, Brandon Fave, well, you know, yeah, go yeah. Eagles. Fly, you Eagles, know, fly, fly, Eagles, fly. Fun conversation with my boy Brandon. A couple more notes after the fact, right? Kind of going over box scores of the Giants. Yet to crack five yards per play on offense. Obviously a game that might be, uh, let's say, defensive-oriented, which might be sort of a compliment to the offenses in this uh, in this case. Um, Carson Wentz, 4-0 on Thursdays. 10 touchdowns and one interception. Is he the anti-Andy Dalton? Is he the anti-Kirk Cousins? You know, maybe. Uh, We're going to just hope that that's the case. So a long conversation about sort of one game, one 
pick, uh, if you will. Uh, good news is the conversation next week, assuming, hopefully, knock on wood, that we survive, will be awfully quick, right? Chiefs over Jets. That's the list. That's the pick. Let's just move on. So uh, sometimes it requires an elaborate conversation. Sometimes it's relatively quick. So uh, don't look back in anger from Wednesday night. Uh, obviously the only thing going, right? Major League Baseball, the World Series, and the Tampa Bay Rays get it done. And I have a confession. I sort of a, I didn't just allude to it. I kind of admitted it. Uh, on Twitter last night. You know, I come and do this podcast and I'd like to think that things don't fall through the cracks, right? And I'm not going to blame like all of the sports happening because this is, you know, we're in the season where, yeah, baseball is supposed to be happening, right? World Series is supposed to happen in October. Football is supposed to happen. I completely forgot in talking about the World Series, the one World Series MVP bet that I made, which was Brandon Lau at 33 to 1 over at Bet365. Did it for a couple of re- reasons. One, a lot of places had him the you know quote-unquote Rays best player at 12 to 1. Two, uh, if the Rays are going to beat the Dodgers, their best player has to play a lot better than he has been over the last couple of series where he's been hitting in the 100s. So it's sort of like if you're betting the Rays, then you're expecting Brandon Lau to do well. Uh, obviously, you know, what's the who's the hitter in the lineup that you want to bet on? Well, you know, it's been Randy or Rosarena, but I think the news is out that Randy Rosarena is pretty good. You saw him getting intentionally walked against the Dodgers last night. So they're not going to let him beat them. Somebody else has to do it. And it might as well be the guy who led the team in home runs and hitting this season. And yeah, he's been under the radar and that's what's pushed his odds down. So I thought there was really good value. So this is, you know, not bragging because he hit two home runs last night. Because let's be honest, like there's still a long way to go. And listen, if the Rays win this series... Hopefully it's because somebody else does something. And the good news is some others were doing other things. So this isn't bragging. This is an apology because I need to do better and I need to get all of the stuff out there one way or another because if this ends up actually working out, once again, probably not, but like this ends up working out, it's something that if I'm doing this podcast, like I want to be able to say, hey guys, remember when we all got in on Brandon Lau and he won the freaking MVP of the World Series? Like that was awesome. And if they win the series, at least we can kind of pat ourselves on the back for winning that series bet. But it'd be way more fun to talk about Brandon Lau from here until, you know, eternity. So um, that one's on me. That's an apology. Like that being said, like I'm still going to track it. I'm still going to hope it wins for strict financial purposes. Not a huge bet, by the way, threw 15 bucks on it for at a 33 to one right if it happens 500 bucks like that's great right um but you know when we're talking about baseball mlb sprinkles when you know we already got a fair amount going on the raise you know whatever it is what it is so long story short apologies for that i will do better to sort of get all of the stuff that i have out there out there um as for the game is you know itself right obviously dodgers you know do they regret their strategy of going all bullpen you know Maybe, but I kind of think it was probably a good idea to go all bullpen before you have a day off than after you have a day off. And now they've got Walker Bueller going in game three on Friday, which of course we'll talk about a little bit more tomorrow. So, you know, strategy standpoint, right? We talked Kevin Cash at length. Literally the entire podcast was sort of framed around Kevin Cash going away from sort of standard baseball analytic decision-making. And he looked for all the world, like he might be flirting with that idea yesterday as Blake Snell is essentially, you know, no hitter going. He struck out a billion guys and we get into that fifth inning, but here it comes, right? That third time through the order is coming around the corner. And this time... You know, Kevin Cash on a guy who wasn't at 100 pitches, who was throwing way better than Tyler Glasnow was the day before. Now he finally goes, okay, it's time to use the bullpen. And maybe it's that's because they had the lead. I don't know. Like, I hope that's not necessarily the case because the day before it was only a 2-1 deficit. So they weren't in that chasing wins type of zone when they dragged out Glasnow for that fifth inning against the third time through the lineup. So... Okay, I guess he learned that lesson. Hopefully that's the case. I don't know why he needed to do so in game one of the World Series, but here we are. And now we've shortened this series into a five-game series. And the good news for the Dodgers, unfortunately, is that they have Walker Bueller going and who will be a heavy favorite in game three. So, 
you know, obviously a pretty critical game, but a game that the Dodgers have to win. And so if they're rolling out Bueller in game three, that means they're saving him for a game seven as well. So the best chance for the Rays to win this series is obviously winning three of the next four games and only one of those next four will they have to face Bueller. So it's a matter of, yeah, they could lose to Bueller and then win the next three games. But man, if they beat Bueller and have a two to one lead, that would be outstanding. And you go, well, listen, like the hitting has to improve. But the thing that I noticed throughout that game yesterday, and listen, baseball isn't all that complicated most of the time. And so like, there isn't usually a ton of stuff. Oh, like, you know, defensive coverage in football where it's like, I noticed they changed this or they did that. But didn't you notice that when there were so many guys getting hits for the Rays and just being really relieved by it, like a lot of guys getting to first base, just being like, whoo, thank God. Like, it's like they were so tight, each one individually, that finally they were like, okay, we got our hit or I got my hit, now I can sort of relax. And that was certainly the case with Brandon Lau, right? Obviously, a guy who'd struggled throughout this entire postseason finally hits a home run. Well, he hit one earlier, but, you know, hits that home run. And then the next time up, hits another one on an 0-2 pitch. And you know a guy's locked in where he's able to take that kind of a cut on an 0-2 pitch. So, you know... Again, is it narrative-y? Yeah, absolutely, right? It was narrative-y last week when we talked about the Dodgers getting a bunch of runs late in a losing cause and thinking that that might, you know, somehow affect the next day. And then they went and they scored a billion runs in the first inning. And it was sort of like confirmed narrative, beep boop, done. And now, like, is that going to be the case for the Rays where now they can all look at their at-bats and go like, yeah, we got hits. Like, we we felt the ball um, fall safely. We've seen it go over the fence, that kind of thing. And hopefully that bodes well for you know, two things, right? For the rest of the series, just on their own confidence level. And then anytime the bullpen comes in for the Dodgers, like who are they going to be afraid of if, you know, that ends up being the case, right? If Bueller ends up going only four innings on Friday, that kind of stuff. So um, good news for the Rays, obviously still a much, uh, you know, bigger hill to climb, uh, as they say uh, in that one. So um, Let's get into it. Last thing here, of course, Thursday means college football, you know, sort of not first look, because let's be honest, I've been looking at the lines all week, but really just sort of now I can kind of formulate uh, a plan here. And so we got Thursday night football, college edition, Arkansas State plus 14 at Appalachian State, Appalachian State, App State, however you want to phrase it. And listen, last week we were on Coastal Carolina at plus seven and a half, plus eight, plus nine, whatever the number was at Arkansas State. And that was the game that was 59-52. And, you know, we end up sort of like losing because, no, sorry, the number was plus six, I think. And so uh, whatever it was, we ended up losing sort of on a late game trick play essentially to go up seven and then Coastal Carolina can't answer back in a game that was 59-52. And then the following week now, Arkansas State goes from being the favorite in that game to now being a 14-point underdog. Now, listen, App State has been the class of the league for a really long time now. And, you know, if you give up 52 points, that means you're probably not a very good defense. But this team can score in Arkansas State. So at 14 points, like, my line's closer to, like, 9 or 10 here. And at 14, I got to do some more digging to find out if somebody's injured or something for Arkansas State. Because the Arkansas State offense that I saw last week is certainly capable of at least getting in the back door or should App State, um, you know, take a big lead. And if not, right, I think they can hang with them just in general. So I'll be looking to back Arkansas State plus the 14 in this one tonight. Friday, handful of action. And we've got a full slate here. So we got to motor through it because the Big Ten is back and the Mountain West is back. And at some point, maybe the Pac-12 will do something. Uh, Tulsa and South Florida. Tulsa minus 11. South Florida is awful. They just are. Tulsa's a good team. Didn't get to play last week because of sort of COVID issues. Um, Even though it's a road game, I'm still looking at minus 11 there with Tulsa and still willing to lay it potentially there. Uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. I kind of want to see how how high this line goes. Can we get 21? Because if we do, I think I'll take a run at Illinois. Not necessarily a comfortable bet because Illinois often is pretty bad, but we're in that space that we were in a month and a half ago with all of these other teams where it's like, just take the underdog. There's so much uncertainty going on that just take the underdog and sort of take our chances with that, right? Uh, Lafayette and UAB. UAB as a home underdog 
Two, again, Lafayette team, uh, Sunbelt teams, we like them a lot, but UAB is a really good outfit, and I like that they are getting points at home. I'll be on them. Can we get plus three will be the question come Friday. As for Saturday afternoon action, Auburn minus three and a half. Sort of really easy to say Auburn's terrible and just take Mississippi with the points here in this one, but I think Mississippi, you know, the... (laughs) The word's out on that offense, right? Whether it's Mississippi or Mississippi State, right? They're somehow, you know, obviously related within sort of being in the same state. But, like, offensively, they're kind of doing the same stuff. And I'd like to think that Auburn's defense can shut that down. And, of course, Mississippi can't stop anybody in general. So, you know, the world is kind of down on Bo Nix. And we were on South Carolina last week to win that game. And sure enough, they did. So I completely understand that. But Auburn isn't some garbage team either. And this is a spot where I think Auburn, minus the three ideally, but even three and a half if we have to, might be worth a look there. Florida State plus five and Louisville. I don't know why any of these teams, either of these teams is favored by more than three points. So I'll take the points with Florida State. And if they can get a little momentum going off of that upset win against North Carolina, and listen, it wasn't pretty in the second half as they almost blew it, it's certainly worth a try here on the money line potentially with Florida State against a Louisville team that I just don't think is very good at all. Uh, Georgia Southern at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, a team that gave up 59 points. Uh, anytime you give up 59 points and now you are giving up five and a half points before the game even starts, I'll take the other team. So give me a shot here with Georgia Southern. You know, a lot of ground game, right? So it isn't the same kind of deal that you're getting with Arkansas State through the air. So that might help Coastal Carolina. Uh, If we can get six here, that'd be great. Less important in college, right? Because of the overtime rules than it is in the NFL. But six still would be a buy for me there. Kansas State minus 20. I think you just have to bet Kansas State at this point. Kansas, you know, got spotted 10 points by West Virginia and still lost by three touchdowns last week. I think Kansas State, just for in sort of simplicity form, is better than West Virginia. Certainly they are defensively. I'm not sure that Kansas even scores. Their best player opted out to focus on the NFL draft, right? In Puka, the running back, uh, he's out. Uh, NC State, North Carolina, right? On the surface, this looks like a really big number for a North Carolina team at, you know, 15-point favorites against a North Carolina State team that we've been backing pretty frequently and was able to get there, even though it was a little dicey in the first half, uh, against Duke last week as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Problem is, NC State lost their starting quarterback. Now, the good news is their backup quarterback is functional right he's a guy who's been in the lineup here and there and so ironically enough we've talked we talked with Brandon about Ryan Finley being the guy we're going to blame if the Eagles lose tonight uh, his brother is actually uh, a freshman I believe at NC State will he see action and if he does he's sort of the higher recruited guy if it gets to a third quarterback type situation so even though the starting quarterback's out for NC State and that's what's you know pumped this lineup over two touchdowns, I still think I like NC State plus the 15 in this one. Nebraska and Ohio State, I mean, you can't bet Nebraska. You can't do that. And so Ohio State might very well just win every game 52 to nothing in the entire Big Ten this year. Like, the reason, and they were probably going to do it anyway, but the reason, like, parents and fans were just, you know, protesting all summer for Ohio State football is because they know full well this is a team that could win the national championship and will absolutely destroy the entire Big Ten. So unlike some of these others, like a Wisconsin-Illinois, where we're sort of getting closer to the middle of the Big Ten, this is an Ohio State team that is head and shoulders above every other team. So I'm not necessarily like dying to bet minus 26, because that's sort of an anathema to what I like to do. It's really just like letting you know Nebraska is not an option in this one. Oklahoma and TCU. Are we going to see seven with TCU? Because I'd get into that, right? A team that beat Texas. We saw Oklahoma and Texas play to a billion overtimes a couple of weeks ago. So why wouldn't we be on TCU as an underdog? And I think the reason this isn't seven is because I think TCU is very live in this one. Rutgers and Michigan State. Sad to say, but I think we're betting Rutgers this week. Uh, an atrocious team every single year, right? But they bring in Greg Schiano, who you know had some success way back in the Ray Rice days with Rutgers and Michigan State. You know, coaching change there, right? D'Antonio gone, uh, but so are literally all of their players from the past team. So you're giving up two touchdowns with a Michigan State team that even last year wasn't exactly potent on offense. So if we can get 14 just sort of on reputation here, this is going to be a play on Rutgers. That is a phrase that nobody likes to say, but here we are. 
Speaking of things that we don't like to say, 46-point favorite Clemson might be still a little shy against Syracuse. Where are we at with Clemson right now? Well, we bet against them last week, and they scored 70-plus points. That sucked. And that was against a pretty decent Georgia Tech team. And so here's where I am with Clemson. They're going to run it up on you because they're going to leave Trevor Lawrence in there for a couple of extra drives because I think they're still a little bitter about the Heisman race last year. And it wasn't that Joe Burrow won because I think Joe Burrow was going to win that every single time. It was that like Trevor Lawrence was never really a consideration because a lot of the time he was playing half the game and then sitting out the rest. And so you watch this team and listen, they had the punter in playing quarterback at one point for Clemson last week. So they're going through the depth chart. I'm not saying that they're not. It's more just like they are willing to run it up early and often and maybe run it a couple extra in the third quarter if necessary. In this Syracuse team, I just don't see how they score, right? So you could say, well, if you don't think they score, maybe the under is okay. But at 62, Clemson could get there on their own, right? So maybe the over is the answer. And you go, okay, maybe Clemson, you know, gives up a late touchdown and they win, you know, 56 to 7. And yeah, that's still covering the 46. So it's just, I, I don't know that I'm going to bet this game, but you certainly can't bet Syracuse. And I think you might want to be on Clemson. I made the number 49. Like I made it like a basically 50 points. And, you know, so it still might be short. It's just going to take us a while to get to the line in that game. Uh, Temple, and Mem- Temple and Memphis. Temple's not very good at all, but Memphis coming off the big win against UCF last week. Uh, laying 13 and a half is probably just going to end up being a stay away from me. Um, you know, not looking to bet against Memphis necessarily or on Temple, uh, getting a bunch of points. But again, high value right now on, you know, or a high regard right now for Memphis uh, being two touchdown favorites here. Liberty uh, minus 11 and a half. I think I would play that. We've been fading Southern Miss most of the season. And I think Liberty is pretty outstanding, um, you know, relative to some of these lesser teams, right? So I'll be looking at Liberty, um, anything under two touchdowns in that one. They, of course, absolutely ran over Syracuse to the tune of uh, like 400 rushing yards last week. It was insane. Uh, Central Florida minus 19 and a half. Again, I'd love to grab Central Florida as this team that like, you know, have lost a couple of games and going to take it out on Tulane, but Tulane might be okay. And when we're talking about 19 and a half points, that's a lot of points. So again, sort of probably staying away, but maybe if we can get this up to three touchdowns, might be looking to back Tulane in this one. Uh, Marshall, minus 17. I think they end up trucking Florida Atlantic. It just sort of depends on how, you know, by how much. Uh, might be looking Marshall's way in that one. Alabama, Tennessee here, 21-point favorites. Um Listen, listening to a program the other day, uh, You Better You Bet, over at radio.com, you know, they do a decent job over there. Um, And so, you know, one of the hosts there, Ken Lockie Lockerson, uh, he's... He's a guy who actually gave, helped us out with the show earlier in the spring when we needed simulations for March Madness. So if you remember the name from that, that was the case there. He talked about how, a couple days ago, about how Nick Saban is basically outstanding against the spread in like all situations. And the one situation that he's not that great in, that he's actually sub 500 in, is after a really close game or like a closely lined game, right? Like a show me type game. And that's of course what Alabama had last week against Georgia, right? Sort of let down type of a spot here. And that Alabama, you know, struggles against, you know, in run defense, let Mississippi run all over them. And then one thing that Tennessee does is their offensive line is really good and they can run the ball. So I like that as sort of a handicap of this game, whether I necessarily want to bet Tennessee and Jared, you know, Guarantano at this point, that's a whole other kettle of fish, right? And Tennessee was sort of in the game last year against Alabama, so there might be sort of a thing there where they might have a little more confidence than maybe some other team might have. Baylor and Texas. Texas favored by nine points. I think you just take the dog here, right? Can we get 10? That's really the only question mark there. I think Baylor's going to be on a ticket come Saturday morning. Hawaii, Fresno State. You know, first game for both teams. Don't really know anything about either team at this point. Probably a stay away uh, unless I do some like aggressive digging. Houston and Navy. Give me Navy plus the 14 here. Full two touchdowns against a Houston team. Um, you know, listen, should have won. Should have covered last week against BYU. Atrocious. We didn't even really talk about this on the podcast. Atrocious uh, kick-catch interference 
call goes against Houston, costs them the game, certainly costs them the cover, if not the game entirely, uh, and they go and they end up not covering against BYU. Navy here, I think, can run the ball against Houston. I think they obviously have some trouble defending against Houston, um, but at two touchdowns here, I'm probably going to be on Navy. Iowa at Purdue. Give me Purdue plus the three here. I don't think Iowa's going to be very good this year. I don't trust them to score points on a regular basis, and I think Purdue can score points. Problem is their coach, COVID, he's not on the sideline. That could be an issue. That might be why they are not at least a pick them in this game, but the line's gone from three and a half to three. So at least we're sort of onto something from that standpoint. Iowa State and Oklahoma State, it's Brocktober. Does that mean we go with plus three and a half with Iowa State? Have to look into it a little bit deep, you know, deeper. Spencer Sanders may be back for Oklahoma State. We'll see on that one. Middle Tennessee, you know, favored last week, had to fade that. Now they're an underdog, probably have to get back on Middle Tennessee against a Rice team that who knows whether they should be favored against anybody at this point. Notre Dame at Pittsburgh. Give me Pittsburgh plus the 11 here, this prime letdown spot here. Notre Dame seeing Clemson in their sights here, coming to, uh, you know, going to Notre Dame, right? They're going to have the home game. This is a road game against Pittsburgh. Um, You know, we were on Pittsburgh last week. They kind of hung in there with Miami. Wasn't pretty offensively, but they can stop what what Miami and what Notre Dame is good at, and that's running the football. So give me the plus 11 with the home dog there. Penn State and Indiana. Why is this line only five and a half? Because I think Indiana is sneaky good. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case with Penn State at this point. Now, Penn State has the showdown with Ohio State. Is that even a showdown? Is there a look-ahead spot here? Give me Indiana. We'll see if we can get upwards of 6.5. I think the line was 6.5 and and has actually dipped to 5.5. So can we get back there is the big question for Saturday. UTEP and Charlotte. Um, Listen, Charlotte's a really good team. UTEP, I think, is under the radar decent. And at 14 and a half points, I think we may be on UTEP. Their game got canceled last week as we were on them last week. So probably back to the well there. Obviously, Charlotte, a matchup that is a little bit scarier in general. Virginia Tech, minus eight and a half. I think this is a team that we're going to be wanting to bet on here as they get healthier, as they get going offensively. I think they can go into Wake Forest as if that's some sort of you know Death Valley type situation. Then they can go in there and knock off the Demon Deacons and do so relatively handily. Uh, Georgia State and Troy. Troy, the favorite. I don't know that I've ever correctly bet a Troy game. Um, obviously, we saw enough from Georgia State from an offensive standpoint last week that... Um, you know, we we might be sort of looking to back them in the future. This one feels a little stay away-ish at minus two and a half. Georgia Tech at Boston College. Georgia Tech gives up 700 points to Clemson last week, and now they're only three and a half point favorites to a Boston College team that's been awfully frisky, but mostly frisky as an underdog. And I think we have to sort of think of Georgia Tech not as the team that got trucked by Clemson, but the team that, you know, won the week before against Louisville. And at that rate, right, like they're certainly capable as underdogs against Boston College, right? They might actually be better than Boston College's. Kentucky and Missouri. Give me Missouri here, right? Week off last week because of a COVID cancellation. Last we saw them, they were running it up and down on LSU in an upset win. I think there's a very real shot we get an upset win here again with Missouri. Western, West, Western, West Virginia and Texas Tech here. You don't have to do a little more digging here, but I'm not crazy about West Virginia and them giving up three and a half points on the road to Texas Tech makes me look at the dog going into that one. South Carolina plus six at LSU. Again, LSU cannot stop anyone. Miles Brennan does not look like he's going to play. And so if this is going to be a shootout, give me South Carolina. Is it a letdown potentially after the win against Auburn? Maybe, but unless LSU drastically changed something in the last couple of weeks, then I think South Carolina can move the ball offensively against LSU. So give me the plus six there. Might even be looking a little money line action, but might do it live during the game just to sort of see if I'm right about South Carolina moving the ball. UL Monroe and South Alabama, minus 14 and a half points. Like I get it. UL Monroe, probably the worst team in the Sun Belt with all due respect to Texas State uh, or disrespect to Texas State. Um, but 14 and a half is really high, probably keeping me off of that game. We'll see. Uh, Utah State and Boise State, we're getting, you know, going here in the Mountain West with, in theory, two of the better pros. You're getting minus 16 with Boise State. Is that enough to sort of back them? 
might be a little high, right? Might be that same sort sort of situation with as with Wisconsin, where we're like, you know what? This is a team that we're not all that sure of at this point. Wyoming and Nevada minus four and a half here. Uh, again, Mountain West, two middling teams. Like maybe you just take the points in that situation. There's no real conviction just yet for me in that one. Maryland and Northwestern, Northwestern minus 11. What makes Northwestern an 11 point favorite, right? Like that makes no sense to me. Michigan and Minnesota, Michigan minus three, very sort of trappy, right? From a brand standpoint, you go Michigan minus three, I'll take it. But we got a lot of, you know, I should say no returning players for Michigan from last year, right? A lot of holes to fill, uh, especially on the offense. Minnesota, you know, are they getting this program going to the point where they can win this game? I think they might. Louisiana Tech, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, San Antonio team that we've been backing a lot over the last few weeks. They lose their starting quarterback, Narcisse, to a season-ending injury, and that's why Louisiana Tech is favored by two. Really no reason other than that to favor Louisiana Tech. Probably a stay-away game for me in this one. Virginia, Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida, minus 12.5. Give me Virginia, plus the 12.5. Again, who is Miami right now to be favored by 12.5? Sure, they may win this game by two touchdowns, but against a decent program in Virginia, I just don't see how there isn't value on the Cavaliers. Cincinnati and SMU. This one's going to be all over the map here offensively. Um, you might want the over at 55 and a half. Uh, for me, if I can get three with Cincinnati, I will take that. Texas State and BYU. Uh, no play for me there. BYU probably kills them. I don't have the same regard for Texas State that I did with UTSA a couple of weeks ago when BYU was a heavy favorite in that one. Air Force minus seven, I'm in, right? They have played a game versus San Jose State, which is regularly a terrible team and haven't played a game yet. Give me Air Force minus seven there. And UNLV plus 14, I'll take over San Diego State in that one. Uh, A game that is not a home game for San Diego State. They're up playing in Carson in the old soccer stadium that the Chargers played in. Uh, 14 and a half points. I'll take my chances with the underdog in that one. That's all we've got for you today. Subscribe, rate, and review. I know it's a thing you hear on everybody's podcast, but it really does help. So please do that. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.